We're kicking off a new series today. It's just kind of a parenthesis. In a few weeks, we'll be back in 1 Corinthians, but we wanted to take a few weeks just to pause and reflect on um, where we're at in the year and also just kind of what Christmas gives us opportunities to do. So we're, we're calling this series The Ghosts of Christmas Past. And what we're going to be doing over the next uh, just three weeks is we're going to be talking about how we relate to our past and, and three specific things. We're going to talk today about how we, how we handle offenses when other people offend us and hurt us and, and how, how, what to do with that. We're also going to talk about uh, next week, we're going to talk about shame. Uh, for those of you who have struggled with guilt and shame from your past, we're going to talk about what to do with that. And, we're, and then we're going to, the, the last sermon on December 23rd, is uh, we're going to talk about labels and how to handle the labels that other people attach to us as we carry those through life because we all carry labels through life. And, and, and Christmas has uh, this, this unique way of bringing our, our good and bad memories to the surface, doesn't it? Christmas, during the Christmas season, we just sort of reflect on our past, whether it's good or bad. And we think about, we tend to think more about our, the pain from our past, our mistakes, our regrets, our brokenness. We, we just tend to wrestle with those things more during Christmas. I don't know why that is. You know, if you're someone who struggles with regret from your past, you're probably going to struggle with that more during this time of the year. I, I, I struggle with that sometimes. If you're, if you're poor, you probably feel more poor during Christmas than any time of the year. Isn't that true? If, you're, if your family's broken or dysfunctional, that feels more true at Christmas than during any other time of the year. If you have failed in life, Christmas has a way of bringing those failures front and center and reminding you of those. You probably, and if you're lonely, if you're a person who struggles with loneliness, you might feel lonelier during Christmas time than any other time of the year. And so we want to talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ frees us from our past because we aren't supposed to be living with a view to the past. We're, we're supposed to be living with a view to the future. And, and the gospel reminds us who we are, who, what Jesus has done, and what God's going to do. And so we just want to take this opportunity to remind you that you have been freed from your past and you, you are defined more by your future than your past. And that's true because of what Jesus Christ has done in his death and resurrection. And so that's what this series is, is, is all about. And today we're going to specifically talk about overcoming offenses and what to do with those past hurts that other people have caused in your life. Because I believe probably many of you I know all of you have been offended and all of you have been hurt by somebody else, but many of you are carrying those offenses with you and you might not even know it and you aren't made to carry those offenses with you anymore. I believe that God wants to set you free through faith in the gospel and that that's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. How many of you know someone who's been, who is easily offended? Just raise your hands. How many of you know someone who's easily offended? Most of you. You know how hurt they would be if they saw your hand up right now? But... Now let me just ask you personally, how many of you would admit that you're easily offended? Not many people. Not many people. Um, I I probably wouldn't admit it either. 
if I'm being honest. But I can't think of times where I was easily offended. I remember a few years ago, I was invited to speak to at a Youth for Christ event to high school students. And that was a little out of my comfort zone, even though I was a youth pastor for a number of years. I don't know. I just have, sometimes I have a hard time. I have a high school student now. Maybe I'll become better at it again. I don't know, but I I felt like it was a struggle for me. And I was speaking to this uh, pretty large group of high school students, and in the middle of my talk, an adult volunteer stood up and slowly exited exited the room. And I was like, I noticed, I think everyone saw this guy. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't subtle about it. And I was like, thinking to myself, I didn't say this out loud because I was talking, but I was thinking to myself, what is he doing? That's totally rude. He's like, is, is what I'm saying not important? Does he think I'm not good? How could he just walk out on me? That really bothered me. So ever since then, when someone gets up while I'm giving a message, I just assume they have diarrhea. <laughs> and if you get up during my message today, we're all just going to assume you have diarrhea. So... I dare you to get up and what during my talk today and leave. Um, the truth is that we are, most people are just very easily offended today. You know, someone didn't talk to me. They walked right by me, and now I'm offended. Right? Or, you know, you try to give someone parenting advice. You have all the best intentions, but you try to give someone parenting advice today. A young couple, you maybe just had a baby, and chances are you are going to offend them. Um, you're having a conversation with some, someone, and they get out their phone, and they start looking at their phone. That's pretty rude, I mean, I think, and yet I do it. I've done it. I probably have done it to you. And, or, the, or worse, they start texting, and you're having this conversation. You're you know, telling them something important, and, and they start texting somebody. That just is, that's enough to offend people. Um, or, or maybe this has happened to you. You send someone a text, and they don't reply. Or you ask them a question, and you really need to know this thing. And you know they saw the text, but they don't reply to you for a day or two or three. It's like, dude, I know you saw my text. Why haven't you replied to me? It's just rude. And we became, become offended by things like that very easily, right? And we struggle with that, and we struggle to get over it, right? Um, how about you, you know, you, you send someone a, a friend request on social media or you start following them and they don't follow you back. And you're like, you know that they're active on social media and, they, and they're just sitting on your friend request like, what, am I not good enough to be your friend? What's the problem here? We become easily offended today. There's so many, there's so many things we could talk about all the different ways all day that we get offended by other people. Um, and, and those little things can really get under our skin. But there are also bigger, heavier things that create wounds and even scars that we end up carrying with us for a long, long time. Many people are carrying heavy burdens from the pain in their past. I've, I've talked to some of you, uh, quite a few of you actually, who are carrying pain from your past, and you've been carrying that pain and those hurts for so long that you don't even feel it anymore. Because let's be honest, when you're carrying a weight with you for a long time, eventually you become numb to it. It doesn't even feel like an extra burden anymore, it just feels normal. It's like that's your new normal, is living with that pain. But that is not normal in God's eyes. That is not the way it's supposed to be. That is not what you're designed for. You're not designed to carry those offenses with you any longer. And the, the sad thing is that, that, you know, time goes on, and after, before you know it, years have gone by, and you haven't even talked to 
your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad or your son or daughter or your former best friend. And, and that, that is, is so tragic. Some of you have been betrayed. Some of you have been lied to. Some of you have been used. Some of you have been abandoned. And those hurts have caused a separation and a distance. And, you know, honestly, you're okay with that. Some of you, you're okay with the separation because to go to that person and bring that out into the open face-to-face and deal with it would hurt even more, wouldn't it? And so you just accept it and like it's okay. Like that's the way it's supposed to be. It, it just, it feels safer. It feels safer to just keep the distance. And, and Christmas is a time for us, this is the thing that, that Christmas is, the, is a time for us to remember how God opened himself up to us. And how God showed himself to us, how God came near, how God became with us. And our prayer during this critical season is that you don't celebrate the openness of God with a closed heart to someone who's offended you. And I hope and pray that the joy and peace that Jesus has given us overpowers all of your memories about those past hurts and pains. And that the appearing of Jesus Christ completely unhitches you from the weight that those offenses have caused. Because let me tell you something, and this is important. It's hard enough following Jesus <coughs> with all of your, excuse me, could you bring me that water? It's in the <coughs> I had a cold this week, and I'm still kind of, thank you. That's not, that's not it, but thanks. That's it. <laughs> this is somebody's water. What I was trying to say, it's hard enough following Jesus with all the sins that we struggle with in our own hearts, but it's impossible to follow Jesus when you are carrying someone else's sins too. Someone else's sins against you. Jesus said, it can't be done. You'll never experience my presence if, you're, if that's what you're doing. So here's what I have to tell myself. I'm inviting you to adopt this as your mantra as well over the holidays. My life is too short and my calling is too great to carry offenses. <clears throat> so we're going to look at a couple passages this morning that I hope God will use to liberate you <clears throat> today and in the coming weeks. The first one <coughs> is Proverbs 19.11. Proverbs 19.11. Here's what it says. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Now, this is a great verse for those of you who are competitive and protective of your image and status and position in life, because you have a lot to lose. <laughs> if, you're, if you're protective of your, of your self-image, you have a lot to lose. So when anyone challenges you or takes you down a notch, or steals attention from you, or <coughs> does some kind of damage to your image, you get offended, and you will want to retaliate. That's what's going to happen. But according to God, that's immature and foolish. It's childish. However, a person who has divine wisdom and strength 
has something most people don't have. Patience. The ability to be offended and wounded and hurt. And to overcome it. To leave it in the past. Not many people can do that. But disciples of Jesus can. You can insult them. You can take something from them. You can go against them. You can even insult their children. And they will be patient with you. It's amazing. They overlook the offense. It is their glory to overlook the offense. And when they do that, they earn the respect of others. They get respect from God by doing that. And they earn respect from people. What does it mean to overlook an offense? Does it mean we pretend it didn't happen? Does it mean that we pretend they didn't say that and they didn't do that and that they didn't hurt us? No, that's not what it means at all. What it means is we overlook it. We look beyond it. We don't attach that offense to that person for the rest of their life. You know, we don't keep bringing it up when we see them. We don't, when we talk about that person, we don't talk about the offense. We're able to look past it. We make a decision not to define them by what they said or did. We don't attach a label to them. We don't bring it up. We don't assume they'll always talk and behave that way. We let it go. We forgive them. That's what this is. It's forgiveness. And forgiveness means we pass over the offense. We don't stop and dwell on it. We don't hold it against them. And you know what makes them hard? That, you know what makes that so hard? This becomes really hard when we care too much about our honor and our image and our status. When we're proud. That's what makes it hard, our pride. Because they took something from us. They, they, maybe they made us look bad. Or they wounded our ego. And that's what makes it hard for us to overcome it. <clears throat> to overlook it. Listen to Ephesians 4, 2 and 3. Always be humble and gentle. That's what he, how he starts. Always be humble and gentle. Like Jesus. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So God has called us to be peacemakers by making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. So loving each other. Think about this. Loving each other is about making room for other people to hurt you. That's how you love people. If you love me, you will make room for me to hurt you and offend you. That's what love is. That's what it does. You will make allowance for that. If you haven't assumed this already, I'm just going to tell you right now, I am going to offend you at some point. If you get to know me, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to offend you. I'm going to rub you the wrong way. And if you love me, you're going to bear with me. You're going to strive with me. You'll be patient with me. You'll make room for that. You will make allowance for it, and you'll overlook the offense. That doesn't mean you won't talk to me about it. doesn't mean you won't confront me and put me in my place, because I might need that. I probably do need that. But please make allowance for it. Don't shut the door on me. Don't walk out because I offended you, please. That's not love. That's not what we're called to. And by the way, isn't that what marriage is all about? Isn't that what marriage is all about? I mean, in your marriage vows, for those of you 
who recited your vows in public, weren't your vows, didn't your vows say something about that? Like, hey, I, you probably didn't say hey, but uh, today I, you know, give my life to you. I love you. Um, I, I'm going to love you even when you hurt me because I know you're going to hurt me for better or worse, and I know that I'm called to love you through that hurt. I don't have to like it. I don't have to expect it. <clears throat> I don't have to forget it ever happened. I don't have to carry that hurt with me. I don't have to hurt you back. But I commit to leave room for it. I'm going to leave room for it because we're going to be, be, we're going to be united for the rest of our lives, and it's going to happen. Isn't that how we all entered into marriage? And it's going to be hard, and the hardest part about it is I'm, the hardest part about that vow is you're going to hurt me, and I'm going to overlook it. I'm not going to make you pay for it. I'm not going to keep bringing it in your, back in your face. I'm going to overlook it. That's what love is. Love keeps no record of wrongs. According to 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love bears all things. It endures all things. What's part of all things? When someone else offends you and hurts you. And here's, here's another thing that makes it hard. We tend to judge others by their actions, but we don't judge ourselves by our actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. Well, I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean that. <laughs> I didn't mean to make you upset. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I didn't mean to make you feel small. I didn't mean to ignore you. Please don't judge me by my actions, right? But we judge other people by our actions all the time. We do. I've done this so many times. Let me give you a piece of advice today. Never send an emotional email. Some of you have already, uh, already learned that, right? I sent an emotional email once to a group of people uh, who I sort of worked with. And, and it was in reply to something I was passionate about. It was about a decision that had to be made. I was frustrated. I was a little angry. And I just sent this email. And I said something at the end of the email I should have never said to make a point. I, I exaggerated a little bit to make a point, And I was sure everyone who read that email would totally understand what I meant. No. I did, I did damage in that email that I could not undo. And by the grace of God, you know, eventually I was reconciled to the people that I offended and hurt. But damage had been done. Damage had been done. And we need to understand, we need to understand something. When someone's having a bad day, and I was having a bad day, when someone's having a bad day, that's not about you. All right? Their bad day is not about you. Their bad driving is not about you. I don't know why I keep talking about the driving, <laughs> the road rage and stuff, but their bad driving is not about you. So when next time someone cuts you off, it's not about you. You know, their silence is not about you. It's not about you. You know why? And here's something that you probably all know, but maybe you never heard it put this way. Hurting people hurt people. You ever heard that? Isn't that true? Hurting people hurt people. So someone's hurting, and they're going through something in their life, and they're struggling, and they're, they're carrying some heavy weight or burden, anxiety, grief, whatever it is, uncertainty about the future. They're going to do some stupid things. 
Because that's what hurting people do, and they might do something that hurts you. Because they're, they're just trying to get through the day. You know what I mean? So would you be willing to make allowance for them? Maybe think about, if next time someone hurts you or offends you, maybe think about it to yourself. I wonder what they're going through. I wonder what it is, what weight they're carrying, that they felt the need to, you know, slight me or whatever it is, or overlook me or however it is they offended you. And maybe pray for them when that happens. Because hurting people hurt people. And, and, and here's something that you all probably know about forgiveness. You know, it, it's a choice. Forgiveness is a choice that you have to make. It's not a choice they have to make, but it's a choice you have to make. And even though it starts as a choice, it, it's really more of a process because forgiveness can take time. I, I can choose in my heart to forgive someone, but it usually takes God time to work in me and to bring me to a place where I'm no longer holding that offense against them ever again. And it takes me time to completely let go of it and to, to drop the weight of that burden. But it always starts with a choice, and you have to make that choice. <clears throat> and to choose to do it out of obedience to the Lord Jesus, who commanded us to forgive each other. It's not an option. Over and over, Jesus said things like, if you want the Father to forgive you, you have to be willing to forgive others. If you want to follow me, you have to let go of that weight. That's what it means to follow Jesus. The one uh, last passage we're going to look at this morning is Colossians three twelve to 15. And this is an amazing few verses. This is what the Lord said. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves... You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And the peace that comes from and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace <clears throat> and always be thankful. Always be thankful. So here again, we're told to leave room for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And, and some of you are, are probably thinking about someone right now, or if you haven't, maybe you've already thought about someone from your past who has hurt you. Maybe they've hurt you over and over and over and over again. And maybe you're thinking, if I forgive them, won't they just continue to do this and continue to damage me? Listen, forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. I'm not asking you to reconcile with them. Reconciling with them involves them too. All I'm asking you to do is take the first step and forgive them. It doesn't mean you have to go back to them. It doesn't mean you have to go near and, and make yourself vulnerable again. Maybe that's not the wise thing to do right now, or maybe it is. But it has to start with forgiveness. Forgiveness has to be a choice that we're willing to make. And maybe you're thinking about that person who ruined your life. You know, they took something precious from you. How do you forgive someone that seems unforgivable? Someone who not only hurt you, but they hurt you over and over, and they hurt people you love. <coughs> How do you do that? 
the text tells us. We forgive as we've been forgiven. That's what the passage says. We forgive as we've been forgiven. I don't know about you, but I've been forgiven a lot. I've been forgiven many, many times over. I was talking with an old friend this past week, someone who has known me, or I've known a long time. She knew me during the years that I was living fast and free and for myself. And I feel like now I'm living slow and free and for Jesus. (laughs) Maybe that's one way to put it. But she said, I knew you when you were bad. That's what she said. I knew you when you were bad. And I was bad. I was really bad. And she was too, actually. (laughs) We were both bad. And we were both admitting it and just celebrating what God has done in our lives. Like, (laughs) that's probably why God brought us together all those years before. We used to be both bad. Now we're both saved by grace. You know what I mean? It's amazing. I, I, I can't, I look at her and I can't believe the transformation. She lo- it's the same. <clears throat> We're just overwhelmed by the grace of God in our lives because neither one of us deserve it. None of you do either. We've been forgiven freely. That's how we've been forgiven. Freely. We did nothing to earn it. We did nothing to earn God's favor. Nothing to warrant his forgiveness and grace and mercy in our lives. That's how we've been forgiven, and that is how God is asking you to forgive the people who have offended you freely. Not because they asked for it, not because they deserve it, not because they will never hurt you again, but because that's how you have been forgiven, by the sheer grace of God and nothing else. I don't even know how much I've been forgiven. I may only find that out when I see Jesus face to face. Or maybe I'll never know. But here's what I do know. I do know what it cost God to forgive me. It cost him his only son. Jesus Christ, his body nailed to a tree. After being brutally tormented and humiliated publicly, having been spit upon and and falsely accused and hit in the face repeatedly, a crown of thorns placed on his head and hung on a tree where he died six hours later, abandoned by his father as he took my sins upon him in his body on that tree. And it's all by grace. And that's what it costs God to forgive my sin. The blood of his only son, Jesus. And that's what it costs God to forgive your sin. It costs me nothing. It costs you nothing. Even though we were his enemies, God died for us. Freely we've been forgiven, and we are called to freely forgive our offenders. When someone offends or hurts you, it feels like they owe you something, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like they owe you, like, like that bad thing happened because of what they said or did, and all of a sudden it feels like they're in debt to you. And the only way, the, <clears throat> the only person who can cancel that debt is you. Only you can cancel that debt because they owe it to you. At least that's what it feels like. You might feel like, you know, they, they took my reputation, they, they took my first marriage, they robbed me of my teenage years. They owe me a raise or a promotion. They stole my purity. I trusted them. They lied to me. 
And now you owe me my life back. You owe me my life back. The problem is that feeling that someone, you feel like something's been taken from you and they owe it back to you, right? That's what it feels like. But here's the thing. Most of the time, they can't pay it back. They just can't. They can't do that. If your dad wasn't there for you as a child, he abandoned you, or he abused you and left you, or you abused your mom and left your mom, whatever it was, he can't, there's no way he could ever give you that back. He can't give you those years back. He can't undo what he did. If your marriage has been broken by your spouse, they can never pay that back. There's nothing they can do to undo that. There's nothing they can do to make it go away or to make it right. You have to cancel the debt. Forgiveness doesn't cost your offender anything. It costs you. It costs you something. And and here's the good news. And here's the power to set you both free. Jesus paid their debt too. Did you know that? Sometimes we talk about Jesus. we, We make it all about us. Jesus died for me. Jesus forgave me. I'm free in Jesus. But what about them? Did Jesus not die for their sins against you? He did. He paid the price to set you free from that offense. He took the weight of our sin and theirs on the cross so that you don't have to carry that weight anymore. The cross has the power to set you both free and make you both new. I want to end with the story of Joseph, which I'm going to tell very, very briefly. Some of you know Joseph, who was the son of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. And this is all laid out in the book of Genesis, specifically Joseph from Genesis 37 to 50. A big part of Genesis is about Joseph's life. And Joseph was, he had 11 brothers. He was the one of the youngest. And his brothers hated him. His brothers hated him mostly because his father favored him. And there wasn't even a a choice Joseph made. His father just loved him the best. And he was having these dreams and telling his brothers, and they hated him for that too. Because the dreams made him look like he was better than them. I don't think that was his intention, but that's what happened, right? His brothers hated him. They wanted to get rid of him. They wanted him out of their lives. They all hated him. So they were all out in the field. Joseph, Joseph was out tending flocks one day. He was a shepherd, and his brothers got him alone. They were going to kill him. The oldest brother talked him out of it, and they said, okay, we won't kill him. Let's throw him in this pit over there. And so they, they, they threw him in this pit, and then they, they saw this band of slave traders passing by on their way to Egypt, and they ended up selling him to this group of slave traders. So they sold their brother as a slave. And then they went back and told their father that he was dead. You know, okay, we, we took care of that. No more Joseph. Joseph ends up in Egypt. And through a series of events, God's, God ordained events, amazing events. It's an amazing story if you haven't read it. Joseph ends up rising to second in command over all of Egypt. And there's this great famine in the land. It affects J- uh, Jacob and his whole family. And he sends his sons his 11 sons to Egypt, or 10 of them, to get food because they're in trouble. 
Now, before I tell you the end of the story, let me just share a list of offenses with you that his list of Joseph's brother's offenses against him. They betrayed him. They cut him off. They did intentional harm to him. They abandoned him. They lied about him. They separated him from his father. And then they forgot about him and moved on. That's what they did. Joseph didn't necessarily deserve that, but that's what they did to him. And here's the amazing thing about Joseph. He didn't let the people who hurt him control his life and his future. He never let that happen. He let God, he gave their offenses to God. He let God be their judge. He let God deal with it. And he lived his life trusting God. He never held a grudge against his brothers. He never wished them harm or dead or anything like that. He never took it on himself to pay pay them back for what they did. And here's how we know that. Because at the very end of the book of Genesis, lo and behold, his brothers end up going to him and asking for help. They don't recognize him at first, but Joseph is the one who's in charge of giving out all the food and the free aid to all the people who need it in Egypt. And one day, he's not ready for it, but there his brothers are, and he recognizes them, and he breaks down and he weeps in front of them when he realizes it's them. And here's what he says to them in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Think about that for a minute. You inten- it's not that they just did harm to him. They intended harm. There's a difference. They actually intended to ruin his life. And they could have if Joseph would have let their actions determine his future. (coughs) Could it be that God wants to use the evil someone said or did to you for good in your life and in theirs? Could it be? I think so. Because that's what God does. That's what God does. And he does it over and over and over and over again. I bet if I sat you all down individually today and you told me your story, you told me your life story, I bet many of you in your story would tell me this. You would tell me this. You would tell me how God used evil for good in your life. All of you would. In some way, I hear it over and over and over again. God loves to do this. He's done it in my life. He's done it in many of your lives. So why do we carry those offenses with us? When we know that this is what God does. When we know that this is who God is. That's the story of the whole Bible. Is God using evil for good. From Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve first sinned, to all the way back, all the way to Revelation, that's the story. God using evil and turning it into something good. Isn't that the story of salvation and redemption? That's what it is. It's what God does. So why would you let the evil that people are doing in your life control your future and keep producing more evil? Why would you let that happen when that is not what God wants? That is not who God is. So I want to ask you this morning before we close, whose sin are you holding on to? 
Whose offenses are you carrying with you? Who has taken something from you and you are still holding them in debt? What offense have you not let go of? Who is God asking you to forgive today? Because your life is too short and your calling is too great to live offended another day. And and starting today and over the course of the next couple weeks, we're going to do something we don't do all the time, don't don't do very often. I want to invite you to come up for prayer this morning. And we're going to have some men and women sitting in the front this morning after I close the service here in a minute. And they're here to pray for you this morning. And I would like you, if you're willing to, (coughs) to to invite them to pray for you and with you as you leave whatever offense it is here and you walk out the door free this morning. That's what we want and nothing less. We want you to leave it here today. We want you to decide today that you are going to forgive. You might not feel like forgiving. You might still feel a little hurt by that, but we want you to start that process this morning and decide that I know that God has forgiven me and I want to forgive in the same way because I know I'm not called to live with that weight any longer. We've informed our kids' volunteers that they may be having some kids a little longer than normal today, so if you have children you need to pick up, but you're also ha- you also want prayer, please don't let that keep you from coming forward. This is too important to let go any longer. This is not what God wants. God does not want you to carry those offenses. Will you be willing to let us pray for you? This morning. It's too important to let go another day. Let me pray for you before we close. Our Father in heaven, I thank you so much that you took on flesh. That you sent your son Jesus, our God, our King, our Lord, and our Savior, to take our sins in his own body on the cross so that we can live with the assurance that you love us, God, and that you will never leave us or forsake us. You will never abandon us. You are a good father. You give us good things. You give us way more than we deserve. Your love is immeasurable. Your faithfulness amazes us. And God, we also ask this morning that we would be willing to let go of the offenses others have committed against us, no matter how deep they go, that we would choose to forgive And that the power of your gospel would set us free this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand and I'll give you the benediction. And then we'll have you come forward as you you are prepared to. The benediction this morning comes from Galatians chapter 6. Please bow your heads with me. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you won't be tempted also. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Amen. I hope to see you tonight at the Christmas musical at 630. Have a wonderful Sunday.